the Herm Edwards dream was too beautiful to live at the end of the day. Uh, ASU loses their swagger. Washington, I guess, picks up the best win of the week against Utah in an otherwise entirely forgetful week of Pac-12 football. We're going to recap it all. He's Eric. I'm Warren. It's eligible receivers. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. First up, I mean, abysmal slate of games last week, which we talked about. But, uh, so, like, I'm not even going to try and pick good ones. Stanford and UC Davis, Bryce Love held out. Stanford's wins 30-10. to 10. Uh, Stanford blowout, that's what that's called. Yeah, that's as good as it gets for Stanford in terms of offensive uh, production. So, good for them. Was K.J. Costello the good quarterback last year? Who were the three? Was uh, There was like a transfer Jones. Yeah, 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 him. And there was another one, wasn't there? Ryan whatever. Ryan something. that Ryan Larson or something like that. Whoever played against Washington two years ago. You know who I'm talking about? I vaguely remember this. Yeah, I think I think uh, KJ Costello was like the five-star recruit who was uh, sitting in waiting last year and is now broken onto the scene. I remember like he wasn't starting last year, and then when he started playing, it was like, well, this guy's clearly better than the other ones, you know. He appears uh, to be. Yeah, I mean, he's he's solid, dude. You just need a Kevin Hogan down there, and he'll do everything you want. Uh, next, right. next up, Oregon hosted San Jose State. And I'm underwhelmed. 35 to 22 winners, Oregon, against a pretty rough San Jose State team that had, you know, just played, I think got maybe shut out by WSC the week before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And another week where uh, the Air Bear, uh, Justin Herbert, who the Oregon uh, media are hyping as a Heisman favorite, uh, had less than 50% completion percentage. That's two out of three weeks where that's been the case. So. Yeah, um, you know San Jose State. I'm sure that's what you want, but end of the day, I don't think Oregon was ever really threatened in this game. But it's really hard to tell where they're at because they played such a such a soft schedule. Uh, we're gonna find out because I think they play a real game this week and they're gonna get absolutely exploded. Lock it, double lock it. Like it's absurd. Uh, you don't this just what what's so pathetic about Oregon uh, and the Justin Air Bear uh, Heisman candidacy is that they were so right to own Washington fans over how over the moon we were for Jake Locker, right? You know, mm-hmm. they had us like, we were sitting there talking every year. Oh, Locker Heisman, Locker Heisman. They were like, he sucks. You know what? And they're like, he was fine. You know, like he was like an average to slightly above average college quarterback, but they were right. You yeah. know, like he wasn't anywhere near the Heisman conversation. So to have won that battle and been so astute, you know, within the past I guess it's maybe been pushing 10 years at this point, which is sad to say, maybe like seven to 10 years and then turn around and do the exact same damn thing. What are you doing? It's college football, man. It turns you into a crazy person. Yeah. That's That's the issue. They want like, I think you really nailed it a couple weeks ago when you said that Oregon wants so desperately to reach out and grab, you know, that greatness that was right there. And they are in of the mindset right now that it's just right around the corner, right? That the next thing that happens is 
is going to be what propels them back into that top five conversation. And Washington has gone through that. You know, we, we have gone through that as a fan base and understand that, you know, or believe we understand at least that that's not really how it works most of the time. Yeah. You know, like everything has to be firing on all cylinders as it was for Oregon. And it has to be doing that for a long time before you get back to or, or push your way into national prominence. And Oregon hit rock bottom, you know, for, for them, at least with, I mean, not rock bottom where UW was in 2008, but with Mark Helfrich where, you know, they didn't have a lot of talent and they you know, only won four games a couple years ago. Uh-huh. And they're still holding back from that. Um, but they still are of the opinion that it's just going to take one, you know, one thing and that's the difference. And so, you know, Justin Herbert right now is that one thing. Yeah, I mean, you are right to point out that. I mean, that's a ghastly completion percentage. Like the one game, I almost excused it a little more because I think he was something like nine of twenty, and he still ended up with like three hundred yards or something like that. So he was getting like extreme uh, return on the passes that he did complete, and he, like he did in this game, you know, also. But it's just like you gotta, you can't be Kyle Bowler, dude. You got the, the name of the game first and foremost as a quarterback is you have to be a pass completer and then everything else, all the extra stuff builds off of that, but you got to be 65% in your sleep. That's, yeah, that's my, sure. I mean, the hardest. Oh, I lost you for a second. You there? Oh, I'm back. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. I was going to say the hardest thing in college football effectively is to sustain a drive, you know. And so the good defenses in college football make you run 10 plays to score against them. And Oregon hasn't had to do that yet this year, and they're going to have to this coming weekend. Yeah, they are. That's absolutely true. Uh, because, at, you know, to sustain drives, there are going to be uh, a set of downs where you have to complete two passes. And right now, Herbert's showing that he can complete one of them, you know? Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, to me, what it's an absolute farce that they're ranked as high as they are, but you know, we'll see. I mean, they are, they are undefeated there. I saw some people saying that like, Oh, Oregon, uh, uh, Oh, well they just got bored. They've been playing these bad teams and they've got bored. They, they've been bad enough recently that they're not allowed to be bored. You know? Yeah, the other thing that's interesting to me about Oregon is how much fun they're having dancing on the grave of Willie Taggart. They they are really enjoying his struggles down at Florida State. And that's super fascinating to me because Willie Taggart hired Mario Cristobal. Um, and yep. he also hired Jim Levitt. Yep. Um, so, like, the two guys who are actually in charge, you know, in terms of your head coach and your defensive coordinator, who is a great defensive coordinator, you know, of the program right now are – effectively like Willie Taggart's guys. Um, so I don't know. It just, it just strikes me as odd that they're so gleefully, you know, and I understand it to an extent. He was there for one year and he left. Um, but you know, the whole idea like, Oh, we dodged this bullet. The Taggart era couldn't end it fast enough. It's like, you're still in the Taggart era to some extent you hired, you know, Cristobal, you, you went, you stayed in house pretty much for the entire, you know, for your entire coaching staff. You didn't, the only one that left was Taggart. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Like, I don't fault him a lick for dancing on Willie Taggart. You know, like, that poor – I mean, that that situation in Florida State is so terrible that it uh, is, like, 
you, you like wonder, it makes you wonder about Jimbo Fisher, you know, like it, it makes you worried for Texas A&M. It's so bad. It's like, how did it makes, me laugh, it makes me laugh at Texas A&M a little bit, but that's about it. Yeah. It's like, how did this happen? How did this happen? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean that that's tough sledding, but yeah, you make a good point. It's like, Oh, you laugh at this guy. Now back to the one branch on his coaching tree. That's running our program right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, Next up, we got Texas and USC, a game where I think all three of us were like, oh, USC, Texas has been terrible. Well, I'll tell you who's terrible, maybe. USC, because Texas won, and won going away in this game, 37-14. to There's some pretty damning stats. I mean, I think you and I both talked about it ad nauseum about how Clay Helton was just such an interesting hire. And by interesting, we mean bad. Yeah. USC. Um and, and there's just some amazing stats in terms of, of, of how they perform when they are not favored. I think they're one in 10. Their only win was against Washington a couple of years ago uh, when they're not, when they're the underdog in a game. And, you know, I, I believe they had something like four yards rushing in this game. Uh, you have a talent like Stephen Carr, who is absolutely going to play on Sundays and you can't get him going you're starting a kid at quarterback who should probably – I mean, I believe he should still be in high school. He graduated early to get to USC. Um, it, it, it's just completely unacceptable if you're USC to be in that position. I mean, you may you may say, okay, there are years where we have a down year. But, like, a down year for USC should be, you know, eight or nine wins, and you're starting a redshirt junior quarterback who's, you know, not a Heisman guy but is still pretty good. You know, that's that should be a down year for USC. Yeah. Well, and how many I mean, Clay Helton's been there for a second now, right? Yeah. So, like, if I'm USC, if I'm not at a at a bare minimum winning the entire Pac-12 once every four years, uh, we got to get a new guy. I mean, they ought to be winning it, you know, at least two out of four years. You well, know, the problem is, is I believe they won the conference last year and the year before that they won the Rose Bowl. So, um Technically, no. I don't think they did. They win the conference last year. I think so. I'm trying to make. Who did they play in the championship game? Stanford, and they beat yeah, them. They, and then they went down and got busted by Ohio State, right in the Fiesta Bowl or whatever. Yeah, in, uh, down in Texas, Cotton Bowl. Well, um, that refutes the exact point I was trying to make, but still, I'm going to stand by it. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if we, if we want to get technical, Clay Helton's had a pretty good start to his career, but I, but I mean, it's just I, I don't. I, you don't hear anybody in and around that program. Like I was listening to Petros Papadakis today on a podcast with John Wilder, the San Jose Mercury News uh, sports guy, and you know, it, there's just no sense that Clay Helton is the right guy to be running that program. And that again, the, the you know the the first couple of years was kind of like Sam Darnold pulling you out of the fire. Um, you know, the miracle Rose Bowl win against Penn State two years ago. And then they get the conference last, you know, last year. But Darnold was such a big piece of that, and yeah. now he's gone. And it doesn't look like there's anybody there to replace him. You know, again, you got a kid who's 18 starting a quarterback. You don't, you know, you've got the stud running back, but you can't get the running game going against a pretty mediocre Texas team. Uh, it's just, it's just not great if you're USC, and it just feels like the program is in a state of decay. Um, or looks like from the outside to me, at least that the program is in a state of decay and nobody is afraid of USC. So that I put at the feet of Clay Helton. He's in charge. 
he doesn't seem to me like the type of guy who should be in charge of a program like USC. And as soon as the Seahawks uh, finish up their terrible year, I bet Pete Carroll goes back to USC. That would make a lot of sense, honestly. Uh, well, here's what I'll amend to, because I, I, I do, I guess, have to concede because it is a fact that they did win the conference last year. Uh, is that <laughs> they what here? Here's what I expect out of USC is what you get out of like Alabama and Ohio State that when the season starts, they're right there at the absolute pinnacle, you know, and they're hanging in until November as one of the peak teams for the playoff. And when that's not the case and when it becomes not the case in a like you know, a, a loss to Stanford where they got just beat and then that lose to this meat mediocre Texas team like this. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that was making me mad about this game was, uh, how they were trying to talk about it as the third installment of a trilogy dating back to that 2005 national championship game. And mm-hmm. I'm not having it. I, I don't, I don't, uh, I can't, uh, get the line to connect between that game and this game because this is a game between two like mediocre teams. You know what I mean? Like I know you're like trying to like get people to tune into the game or something, but it's like it's two marquee programs. Like that's enough to get people to watch. Don't try and tell me this has anything to do uh, with the time when both of these teams were way better than they are now. Absolutely. All right. Herm. Herm. Uh, goes down to San Diego State where, you know, who all they do is beat Pac-12 teams. I think that makes them like four out of the last five. Uh, San Diego State, 28 to 21 winners. Uh, I mean, this game like was kind of, I think uh, Arizona State scored last to kind of like threaten to make it close. But I, I don't know. It seemed like San Diego State was in control in this game. Yeah, there's a controversial play at the end where Arizona State threw the ball deep you know Manny Wilkins unloaded down the field kind of almost like a Hail Mary-ish kind of a pass and the receiver caught the ball at the two was immediately brutalized with a targeting call uh penalty uh style hit from the defender and then on his way down because he got smacked straight in the head he ends up dropping the ball because of that I just lost you for a sec, but I'm assuming that's what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The targeting call was confirmed on that. Um, but then the, you know, the incompletion was also confirmed. And so instead of getting it like first and goal at the one with the chance to run some play, you know, one more play to tie the game, Arizona State's running the final play of the game from like the 35. Um, sounds like a pretty meaningful targeting call. Um but that's about all I have to say. I mean, other than, other than that, you said that Arizona State uh, was down two scores, scored to make it close, and you know mounted a rally, but just couldn't couldn't get back into uh, couldn't get back into the, the end zone. Yep. And then uh, another one, good one to laugh at us when we said San Diego State must be out of running backs. Juwan Washington again, just like he did against Stanford, a monster, 138 yards and a touchdown against Pac-12 team. Dude's pretty good. He's good. Uh, Colorado. And New Hampshire, Colorado successful non-conference, and I like how they scheduled. You get your rivalry game, you get a nice little marquee road win uh, against Nebraska, then you get your New Hampshire game. You know, you need these ones. Get people healthy. Colorado taking care of business, forty-five to fourteen. Nice job, Colorado. I'm just taking a quick peek uh, to see how my man Lavisca did. Light work, 
five receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown. No need to do anything crazy. No. No. California, also undefeated right now. Uh, 45 to 23 winners over Idaho State. Don't know anything about Idaho State, uh, but it's the Chase Garber show for sure. Feel bad for Bowers. I guess he's out. Yeah, I mean, California wraps up non-conference with a, cus- a couple of power, you know, decent scalps. They got the North Carolina uh, win, which although North Carolina appears to be truly god-awful. Yeah. Um, and then you've got – they got BYU win, which now is looking to be like a pretty good win, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, which I've talked a lot of shit about BYU this year, so now I have to play on that. Um, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, yeah. So, maybe know, nice Maybe it's play. Wisconsin that's bad. Yeah, whatever. BYU yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um, and and now Cal, you know the Idaho State game, obviously not a challenge for them. But yeah, nice nice way to come out of uh, come out of non conference schedule and, and get ready for Pac twelve play. I think they got a bye week this week and they're uh, they're going to be ready to go. Uh, next up, we had the Beavers going to Nevada. Probably you know one of the top games of the week in terms of like an even match. Uh, Beavers were three and a half point dogs and they snuck right inside that number. Unfortunately, Nevada was still able to win 37 to 35. Uh, Beavs had a kick for it at the end of the game, uh, but missed it. And that's that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, Nevada was favored in the game. Nevada won the game. I, you know, the Oregon state it, is coming from nowhere. Uh, they were terrible last year. And so it's going to be a long haul for Jonathan Smith. This, you know, you'd like to think a Pac-12 school could go into a school like Nevada and, and push them around, but that uh, isn't how it isn't how it is right now for Oregon State. So um, it's too bad. It would have been nice to see him make that field goal and get a, good, a pretty good, you know, road win, break a pretty long uh, road losing streak, uh, but wasn't to be. Yeah, uh, but I'd say all in all, even Oregon State, impressive non-conference. You know, they look, they look miles better than they did last year. And they got some decent running backs, which is something that's nice to be able to rely on when you get into conference, you know. Yeah. They, they're they a team that's going to need that, you know, so. Yeah, and they had a 200-yard receiver in this game, you know. There you go. All right. Uh, Washington State, I I got to say, uh, front-to-back impressive non-conference for the Cougs this year. 59-24 to 24 winners against Eastern Washington, who we know are good. Yeah, I mean, this was a close game in the fourth quarter. I think it was a – 10-point game in the fourth, like going to the fourth quarter, and then the Cougs score, and then Eastern fumbles on a on a kickoff return. The next kickoff return, Cougs score again, and it's you know then it's a blowout out of hand. Um, but yeah, great non-conference if you're the Cougs. Um, you know, Eastern has beaten them as recently as 2016. So you know, there's always I think in the back of their mind you don't want to avoid a repeat of that. Avoided the repeat, got the win, cruising in a conference play three and zero, and a tough one coming up this week. Yep. Uh, how about uh, opposite end of the spectrum for non-conference? Fresno State uh, goes to UCLA and uh, take care of business against the Bruins, thirty-eight to fourteen. UCLA just looks like you know they're going to have like that first uh, Mike Leach season at WSU, where Chip Kelly's like, "We're running what I want to run, even though we don't have the people to run it, and it'll sort itself out." Well, and he's playing like he's played like twenty freshmen. He's just playing his guys only. He's like, there's good players that are, and not a lot. It's a pretty destitute roster, but there's good players who are upperclassmen who are like out now. Um, and Chip Kelly's doing it his way, so gonna be a bumpy year for the Bruins. 
Yeah, that's tough. Well, I mean, that's the year to have it. You know, in the first year, you get a big contract. Yep. Hard to fire. Uh, then Arizona hosted Southern Utah. Arizona looking for their first win, and they get it, doubling up the whatever they are, uh, 62-31. Yeah, I don't know anything about this game. Yeah, uh, Khalil Tate finally had a good game. That's what I'll say. Attaboy. Attaboy, Khalil. Throwing it, even. They're still, they're like, <laughs> I don't know. Run, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, thing, the thing you do is run. <laughs> You're so much better than everybody else at this thing. Yeah, just do it. I know we want to, like, prove people wrong or whatever so you can be, like, a sixth-round pick. Or something. Yeah. But here's the deal. You're going to be a third round pick as a wide receiver. So, like, just run. Yeah. All right. Uh, Washington went into Utah, and uh, the offense looked bad as it has all season. But at the end of the day, they win by two touchdowns, 21-7. to uh, Misleading. I mean, Utah could not score. Utah's offense is terrible. They are terrible. And I mean, really terrible. And Washington, and and the thing that Utah can't do is pass the ball, which is the thing that Washington defends better than any other team in the conference. Um, you know, they, Todd McShay was on the sideline for this game, was pointing out that all five of Washington's secondary starters, because they they start and run a base nickel package on defense, uh, are going to play in the league. Um, and and that's just devastating for Utah when they get down late in the game and need to do the thing that they can't do very well to begin with, and then they're trying to do it into the teeth of Washington's defense, it's just not going to work. Um, and uh, Huntley, Huntley, Troy Huntley, whatever his name is, um, got his receivers killed. Um, just some devastating uh, hits in this game from Washington's defense that were pretty clean. Um but still very, very uh, interesting to watch You know, Utah flail around. I, I have nothing good to say about Washington's offense, really. You know, another really frustrating game on that front, but what can you do? Yeah, what can you, I mean, that's just what the team is, is it's more, you know, more Stanford-y kind of team than, you know, the 2016 dogs that could really score. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm I've been keeping an eye on with Utah is uh, they they did sign this kid who's like a four star commit named Jack Tuttle at quarterback. You know who's supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Like, you know, at what point with this offense being so bad, do you just say, why why don't we why aren't we just playing this kid? You know. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It it was tough to watch. Not really, because I'm a Washington fan, so I enjoyed it. But, um, I mean, the Huskies did everything in their power on offense to let Utah into this game, and Utah's offense just couldn't do it. I mean, including a devastating turnover from Jake Browning that we all saw coming. Yeah. Um, you know, like literally I think 15 minutes before it happened in our, in our group text, the text went out that was like, Browning is desperately looking for a way to make a catastrophic error. Yeah. And – and sure enough, 15 minutes later, he made the error. And the defensive lineman, had he not fumbled the ball out of bounds, would have scored a touchdown there and made it a seven-point game, which would have been a much different story. But he fumbled the ball out of bounds at, like, the four. And Utah got no points out of the ensuing possession, which is, I mean, just, I mean again, a testament to Washington's defense. 
Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake are studs. Every person on that defense that they put out there is well coached and does a good job. Even if there's, you know, I think Ben Burkirvin, who's the Pac-12 defensive player of the week, is a little undersized for a linebacker. He's usually in the right place, doing the right thing. And then there's now enough NFL talent out there all the time that they're just lights out defense. But the offense, man, is just killing me. Yeah, it's it's tough to watch. I mean, what you can say uh, positively about this game from Washington's standpoint offensively is that at least Miles Gaskin got a had a good game for the first time this year that like he, you know, ended up running for like pushing 150 yards. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that, just, yeah that is true. They got him going, which they need to do. Yeah. But I mean, the the only takeaway from this, the proper one is that Washington was garbage on offense. Uh, so with that said, let's look at how we did on our picks over the course of the last week. How'd we do? We did good. There were a lot of games that didn't have lines. And in those games, we were successful. So all three of us went eight and three. Uh, myself, yourself, and uh, Dirty Worm, friend of the podcast. Um, yeah. You successfully uh, got the Fresno State game correct, whereas Worm and I both had UCLA. And then you rode Nevada. And they cost that that two point win was not enough to cover the three and a half point spread. So Worm and I uh, clawed one back on you there. Other than that, we all missed on ASU. We all missed on USC, and that accounts for our losses. We won all the other games. Most most of those games we won were no lines. Yeah, <laughs> the rare years where I make hay in the picks are the years where I'm able to correctly uh, pin down a mediocre UCLA team. And I'm getting no benefit from that this year because they're so bad that they should not be picked going forward. That's right, man. And they will not be picked by me. Like that's, I've been talking all this crap about them and then I picked them. It's just, it's just insane that I did that. But, oh well. So, Friday night. Here we go. We're going to do the next week's uh, Pac-12 action. Washington State is traveling to the Coliseum where USC are four-point favorites in this game, an angry USC, USC, an embarrassed USC against a Washington State team that beat them last year uh, up in Pullman. Uh, so what do we got? U- yeah, USC four-point favorites. I got them at three and a half, but I can we can change it to four. No, that's fine. I mean, it's all the same to me. We can put four. I mean, that's what I'm picking on. Uh, I'm taking USC. So yeah, I'm gonna leave it three and a half. That's what I looked at it today. Um, Here. After taking USC in this game, I, you know, I, I don't know why. I mean, because because the it's the the road team on a Friday after they played on a Saturday, like never wins, is why. That's true. That's that's probably smart. I, I don't know that uh, I, I get coog me up in this game is a short answer. What I want to say is that I'm, I'm extremely impressed by the job Mike Leach has done with the amount of turnover they had losing Alex Grinch of running out the exact same team. He's been running out for the past few years that wins nine games, you know, like uh, they've taken care of business in non-conference. I mean, he was flirting with Tennessee. They had uh, a lot of quarterback uncertainty, uh, and it's it's just going along like it's been going along for WSU. So I'm impressed. Now, when you win nine games, you lose four at USC. Seems like one you would lose. But I don't know, man. I, I, just cooged me up. I like the Cougs in this one. 
I'll tell you what. I, it, I, it's not a bad pick. I just, I was, I've looked at the Cougs, uh, like box scores the first three games. They still won't run the ball. They still make no effort to run the ball, which means they voluntarily make themselves single, single, you know, like uh, one dimensional. And Clancy Pendergrass is the defense coordinator at USC. USC has a good defense. Um, I am fairly certain. And the other problem US, uh, WSU has is they don't really recruit D tackles anymore. And so they don't, they're not going to be able to, I, I believe, USC's offensive line is going to hold up all right. If I'm USC, I'm going into like Tecmo football mode this week and running four plays on offense that are all running plays. And I'm basically just daring my offensive line to fail before every, you know, before every series. Basically being <laughs> like, don't come back over here if you can't push your guy off the line um, because you're bigger than them by 30 pounds across the board. Uh, and, and I, you know, again, they need a win so desperately that if, if I was coaching that team and, and maybe I'm better qualified, I mean, I, I probably am. I'll, I'll say it, I am. Um, <laughs> I, I would just dumb it down and say, look, we're not going to do anything fancy. I, on defense, I'll like, let Clancy Pendergrass do whatever he wants. He's a great coach, got tons of talent. But on offense, we're not, we're not screwing around here with an 18-year-old kid under center against a defense that's, you know, the speed D is another way, a word for that is undersized. And I'm just going to be like, it's not going to be exciting, but we're going to score 21 points and win the game. I don't think, I don't think that's the USC way. Kids go to those wide receivers go to USC expecting a certain amount of targets. I don't think they're going to be able to help themselves. Uh, but you're right. That's what they should do. Uh, it's just clamped down. Uh, I was thinking <laughs> what he said. I, uh, I was envisioning the offensive line meeting room at USC with like on the wall in USC font dare to fail. And like everybody slaps it before they walk out for practice. Well, it, it would be a great, it, that's like a, just a start. That's just like a start quote waiting to happen. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Like a, well, what happened was, they were really out of respect for my guys. I dared them to fail. I dared them. You know? <laughs> All the players looking at each other. Like, Does that mean he wants us to? Or I don't know. Play bad enough that it's a possibility? <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's what they should do. And that's what they would do if they were like, uh, I like cramming in soccer analogies. If they're smart, they go Mourinho and just do what they can do. But they're they're USC. They want to be Pep. They want to play pretty. And they don't. And I don't know that they have the quarterback to do it. Not gonna work. You're right. Well, we'll see. An old average Joe Clay Helton. You know he doesn't put on airs. Maybe that's what you can say about him. Maybe he'll he'll just do what it takes. Uh, yeah. Arizona. Traveling to Corvallis, where the Arizona Wildcats, who have looked like dog shit, are six-point favorites on the road against an Oregon State team. Yeah, plucky, I'd say. I'd pluck them up, the Beavers. Uh, I think, you know, we really, let's, we're getting into the meat of what is destined to be a long, hard year for the Beavers. I'll take Arizona on this one. Are you taking on this one? You're taking the you're taking the cats. I'm taking the cats. I'm thinking that the cats have been so bad, but like at some point, I don't know. This is this might be the last cats pick of the year. Because <laughs> like I excuse the BYU loss, kind of now. Excuse me. 
Yeah, I love God. You know, I don't know why I I regret it is because I like there. Nothing feels better than just pulling the trigger on the beeves. It does. It's like the Buffs. The Buffs and the Beavs are the two easiest teams to pit to root for in the conference when it, you know when they're not playing UW. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got oh game of the week, game day. Oregon is at home against Stanford, an Oregon team that I will go on record. I say they suck, and Stanford's going to kill them. Two points. I agree with you. I, I think Oregon is going to run into some issues with uh, the Air Bear and that Stanford secondary. And I also think that Oregon's defense did not look great last week. I don't know. Call it boredom or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. No. Nope. It didn't. It wasn't great, and you know Stanford's offense is by no means a world beater. But they got Bryce Love coming back, I believe. They got Arcega Whiteside as a receiver, and they got Costello, and that is a hundred times better than any offense that Oregon's defense has seen this year. So, Stanford, me. Yeah, I think the mark of what you have to do in these non-conference games, if you're really coming back, is 2016 Washington, who played a garbage non-conference, but they were good for the first time. And they were so excited to be good that they went out there and blew the doors off of everybody, every game. And like, or you don't get to sleepwalk through a game against San Jose State if you've been recently mediocre to bad. And to me, that's a sign of problems coming more than it is of like, oh, Oregon, you know, they're so used to success over there. It's been long enough that they're not, you know? Yeah, they got game day coming in this week too, which I think is, you know, the hype and the emotion and everything you're going to get up for it. And I think Stanford is the, is one of the worst teams to play for that because for whatever reason at the you know at this like Ivy League school they figured out how to just be smash mouth and I you know I just don't think that they're not back you know like they're they're just not back yet it's just it, not that it, they won't be in a year or two but um, it's I think they're going to get hit in the mouth in this game and I think it's going to be uh, you know a. a big difference in caliber of opponent than they face here today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, I think they're just going to get knocked out all on jabs, you know, like it's just going to be, you know, the middle of their body's just going to collapse by the end of this thing. Uh, and it's just going to be a slow, slow death. And at the end of the game, it's going to be one of those, which is Washington has had a trillion of them where you're like, God, we are still not anywhere near it. So I hope so. Yeah. That's what I hope too. Uh, I mean, we've really set the stage for them to have a famous win by how confident I am that Stanford is going to kill them. But 42, 14, it's going to be like the Stanford game down to 16 when they came into Seattle and just got smushed. Yep, exactly. All right. And then last up, we have Washington hosting Arizona state and Arizona state team that has given them fits. Uh, Washington are 17 point favorites in this game. Uh, so I'm going to pick Washington because that's what the rules are. But if I was betting on this game, I'd bet Arizona state. Like I don't make us a great bet to score too much more than 24 points. So if Arizona state court scores twice, they cover free money is what we call this. Yeah. This is, a, um, this is a stupid line. I can't believe this line. Like Arizona state, first of all, beat Washington last year. Second of all is, you know, has beat a big 10 school at home. Third, you know, third, their loss to San, you know, to San Diego State. San Diego State's good, and it was on the road, and it was a seven-point loss. And, yeah. And fourth, Washington's offense, as you said, isn't good right now. I yeah. Mean, they, they, they're showing signs of improvement here and there, but like the idea that Washington's going to come in and blow the doors off these guys, 
I mean, I will love it if it happens, but I don't think so. Um, you know, it, I can't see a world where Washington's up like 24-3 at halftime or something. You know what I mean? Like, I just yeah, 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 yeah. blow my mind. Yeah, this is like, which sets up, for, which for me is bizarrely my most enjoyable college football viewing experience where uh, I think like a more likely outcome is I'm furious for three and a half hours and then we win close. Yeah. I think what, what the possibility is, is that not only is the Herm train slowing down, but that it's like everybody just assumes now that it's off the tracks and actually is burning, um, you know, in a big pile of, of flames. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what this line suggests to me is that everyone's like, Oh, so, Somebody figured it out. Someone figured out what Herm's doing, and now they're going to go up to play UW's defense, and it's going to be a buzzsaw. Um, That's the only thing I can think of because Vegas usually knows what they're doing, and Vegas essentially assumes this game is a blowout, which I'm surprised by that. Yeah, I I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Uh, You know, they've got – Arizona State has Nikhil Harry, who's good – They've got Manny Wilkins, who's good. They've got a, a pretty quality defensive line. Um, and Herm Edwards, who I think we're all enamored with. I don't know if he's good or not. He, I'm just excited with just to see him. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To God, he's going to be here. I'm going to feel the aura of Herm. And I love it, you know? Um, but I, I, I think this is going to be a game. I think this is going to be like a game-ass game. And it, like you said – I think the stadium's going to be full. It's a sellout. Uh, it's going to be a lot of frustration on offense, and the defense is going to play good. And then, you know, you double win late, but not by 17 points. Yeah. Yeah, that that's just silly. All right. Uh, without more, that does it for this week's episode of Eligible Receivers. For Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Twice.